Amen. Well, good morning. It is fantastic to see all of you here this morning. Uh, thrilled that you're here. Um, those of you watching online, welcome as well. Uh, my name is Steve Robertson. I'm a member of the preaching team and of the elder team here at HCC, and we are in the book of Exodus. And as Mark said, I've been reminding you a few times to grab a copy of an Exodus ESV journal. It's thicker than the last couple we've done. There's a whole bunch of chapters and uh, a lot of wonderful accounts and, and truths about our God in there. So uh, again, Amazon, ChristianBook.com, either place, Exodus ESV Journal, you'll find one. And so I want to review, I want to dive right in. We've got a lot to cover today. I'm excited about it. I, this has just been wonderful to prepare. And, you know, there's these, again, I keep, I joke about flannel graph, but I did as a kid, these stories that were... Um, studying in Exodus, I remember as a kid and the flannel graph up on, and, 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 and to come back to them again and again and again and see what God has for us is just really, really exciting. And so last week we started, and if you recall, the sermon title was Preserved Through Pain. And we saw how God used some amazing trials for, of his people to accomplish his purpose. He created a mighty nation. How? through an entire nation being enslaved. Not what anyone would have expected, and yet God's promises came even through real challenges. And so the point that we saw last week was that for God's people, pain and suffering is never meaningless. He's working. And so we saw that God miraculously saved a baby from Egyptian slaughter, and that baby was Moses. And as the passage continues, as we continue in the Word, we're going to look at Moses' calling. And we're going to look at chapter 2, verse 11, through, verse, through chapter 3, verse 22. And so certainly, turn in your Bibles there. We're going to be going, we're going to be picking selected uh, verses out of there and going through the passage in that way. Before we do that, I want to ask you, do you ever feel like you're over your head? Like you're not qualified to be doing what you're doing. I can tell you I do. Every time I get up here, I think it's true. <laughs> well, uh, as, as Ron and Wendy know, uh, the psychological world and profession comes up with names for just about everything. Anything. There's a name and there's a title. Um, and a lot of it is, <laughs> this is just sin, uh, but there's a, a syndrome called imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, also known as imposter phenomenon, imposterism. Did you know imposterism was a word? Well, it is, <clears throat> apparently. Fraud syndrome or the imposter experience. It's a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Studies have shown that 70% of adults in the professional world suffer from this. And so what do you think is really going on there? 
biblical writers could certainly relate. The battle with sin, self-confidence, failures is real. And so here we are, we're, we're a people that, that even come up with a name for something like that, a feeling inadequate, and then we study it and we do polls. And it's really just an exposure of how weak we really are. And so that's just a lead-in for us to know today. God still uses us. God still uses us. So today's text that we're going to be looking at is an amazing example of this. And so we're going to see God's cure for imposter syndrome. (laughs) And we're going to see that when God calls us, he uses us to accomplish the amazing. He is doing the accomplishing. We are not. It is his work that is being done, and it is unbelievable that he would use us to do his amazing work, but he does. And so we're going to go through the amazing story as Moses becomes an adult, and we're going to see God speak to him directly and give him a mission, give him a calling. And then we're going to take a step back and look at the similarities between Moses and us. So as you go through today's passage... And you're, if you've got your ESV journal, if you've got your notes, think about similarities between Moses and us as followers of Christ. So before we dig into today's passage, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, we do confess that often uh, we view ourselves in an unbiblical way. We're children of God. And yet the sin in our lives and the challenges we face often cause us to look down and not to look up. And we see and we, and, and we tend to feel like we're, we're, we're just not qualified and we're, and we're not the people you need us to be. Well, help us today to understand that you're the one that qualifies. You're the one that sends. You're the one that accomplishes. And help us to continue to look to you in that as we go through what we study today. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, first, first section I want us to look at is, well, I've, I've called it just a critical moment, and it's in verses 11 to 14 of chapter 2. And so I want you to remember, if you've got your, your Bibles open, you can see that chapter, verse 10, the last time we left Moses, he'd just gotten his name. He'd just gotten his name. And there's quite a jump from a baby who'd just gotten his name and was rescued from Uh, the river, to adulthood. But now we take a look at a critical moment for Moses as an adult, as a prince of Egypt. And again, if you're taking notes, I want you to write right here Acts 7. Acts 7. Acts 7 fills in lots of gaps for us that we might have wondering about what's going on. And it's Stephen's sermon in Acts, and we could talk about that, but I just want you to, if you want to go back to that, I'm going to refer to it a couple times, but Acts 7 really is a, is a commentary on the passage we're looking at today. And verse 22 of Acts 7, Stephen says, and Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. And so we know that at this point, Moses had become an Egyptian of Egyptians. He'd become very 
um, intelligent and wise and trained. And verse 23 of Acts 7 says, when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brother, his brothers, the children of Israel. And so we know that at this point, as we jump in and look at verse 11, Moses is now 40 years old. We jump from baby rescued from slaughter to 40 years old. Quite a gap. But here we are, verse 11 of chapter 2 of Exodus. One day, when Moses had grown up, and for those of you under 40, you haven't grown up yet, apparently. (laughs) When Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. Notice it says one of his people. Acts, as with the passage we just said, Acts said, his brothers, the children of Israel, who's being beat up. Can you relate to this? You ever seen a real injustice done to someone you cared about? What's the response? Someone hurts someone you love. Anger. In our humanness, that's the very first thing that comes into our hearts. And what kind of language do we use in situations like, I'm going to kill him? We do. We throw that around. Well, check out verse 12. He looked this way and that. And seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Yikes! He looked both ways. Made sure no one was was watching, and killed him and buried him in the sand. This took a quick left turn from cute little baby in a little basket and saved, and just like that, Moses committed murder. Murder is simply anger taken to its logical conclusion. And again, if you're looking for things to talk about at lunch today, was it justified? Mm-hmm. Mm, not usually. The story continues that Moses confronted a couple Israelites who were arguing. It's right in there. He saw a couple of the Hebrew people arguing, and he went to, to help. And they go, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill us too? <laughs> Obviously, looking this way and that way wasn't enough. There was a guy that was saved by Moses who went off and told people. And people found out. And the text says that Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. So the rich boy from the palace came, thought he would take matters into his own hands, and quickly got in over his head. He got smacked with a real case of imposter syndrome. And Acts fills in the gaps here. In verse 25 of Acts 7, Stephen tells us he supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand. But they did not understand. And so Stephen tells us that Moses was like, I'm going to go out here, I'm going I'm I'm to take some matters in my own hand, and the, Egyptian, the, the Hebrew people will all be like, hey, and, and rally behind him, and he would be able to save his people. Guess who's not involved at all in that? God is not involved in that 
at all. And so there's a message for us when we try to do things our way without God, we can absolutely get over our head. Have you been there? Have you been there where you just chase something? You just let your emotions go? You just, you knew this was the right way and then you got them way over your head and you cried to the Lord and you said, give me some wisdom and you realized you're just not at all where you're supposed to be. That's exactly what happened to Moses. We can absolutely get over our head and when we try to do his work our way, we're imposters. And so we're going to look next at the fact that, the fact that Moses went into exile in verses 15 to 22. And so not only did the Israelites seem to not appreciate what he'd done, but Pharaoh didn't either. In verse 15, it tells us when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. You see why that was a pretty critical point? Changed everything for Moses. And as the account continues, Moses came upon a well where some sisters were trying to water their father's flock. Shepherds came and hassled them and drove the sisters away. And long story short, um, Moses dealt with them. He didn't kill them. And that's an interesting thing to know. He didn't kill them. He just drove them away. And long story short, wound up marrying one of the daughters and had a family. This was, Moses was 40 when he murdered the Egyptian. And then he was in Midian for roughly another 40 years. A decision to take matters into his own hands resulted in an exile for 40 years. And he was working for his father-in-law. That whole time, by the time he finished paying for his mistake, he'd be 80 years old. And the Bible tells us that during this time, the king of Egypt died. And it doesn't look like things got any better for the Hebrew people, but it does look like, at this point, Moses could probably return. And in verse... 23 to 25, we see that God hears the Hebrew people. And the next couple verses are, are just a beautiful reminder of what the heart of God is. We've got this account, and it's fascinating, and it's amazing, and it just seems like right here is a little oasis of the heart of God in all this. Verse 24 says, And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant. What did he, God forget? And so no, when it says that God remembered, it means that he acted upon the promise that he'd made. In verse 25, I sent this to a friend yesterday and they commented, wow, yeah, I remember underlining this verse in my Bible years ago. Verse 25 of Exodus 2, God saw the people of Israel and God knew. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. I love this. If you don't have it marked in your Bible, double underline, circles, whatever, this is like just an oasis of encouragement dropped into the middle of a bunch of chaos. The God of the covenant, the God who sees us, the God who hears us, who remembers his promises, he knows. He knows. 
And so where are you? What are you struggling with? This verse right here hopefully gives you hope. He knows. He knows. And we're going to see that what he does is he acts. This is the genesis of what happens next. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, God appears. God appears. And so I want you to understand, as, as, you, as you're in the book of Exodus, the first two chapters of Exodus cover 400 years of tribulation, of slavery. The next 38 chapters of Exodus cover one year. Okay, so it's important to see. We've just got a couple chapters at the beginning. They cover a huge span, and where we're going to go next is a year of liberation when Israel comes out of Egypt. And so let's look, though, at verse 2 of chapter 3. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, appeared to Moses, in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Okay. Burning bush, here we are. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared. Angel, the word here specifically is messenger. The messenger of the Lord appeared to him in a flame. Who is this? And you can go ahead and check out that for centuries, folks have debated it. Appearance of God, physical manifestation of God, could it be Jesus? Okay, if you want to go to Joshua 5, you don't have to go there. But in Joshua 5, as Joshua's preparing for battle, as he's preparing to take over the land that had been promised, someone appears. In verse 14 of Joshua 5, Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, Okay, Joshua falling on his face and worshiping, guess what? You only do that with God. The Bible's very clear. So this being that showed up to Joshua, called the captain of the Lord's army, or the commander of the Lord's army, verse 15 says that the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. What does Steve Robertson think? Steve Robertson thinks that's Jesus showing up on the scene. The word of God in the flesh. Does this is actually exactly what the text says? No. Does a lot of people agree with me? Sure. Do some not? Yes. And guess what? That's okay. But I want you to just see the parallels to what we're going to look at next. Verse 4. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Verse 5. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Sound familiar to the passage I just read you? Verse 6. I want you to see this. And this messenger of the Lord said what? He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. 
And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. No matter what is going on here, it's what is called a theophany, a physical manifestation of God. And the messenger did not simply speak for God, but as God. Love this. Riken says, since the time of the early church, Christians have wondered whether perhaps this is a revelation of God's pre-incarnate son who brings God's saving message to humanity. Whether or not Christ was in the bush, one thing is certain, Moses was in the presence of God. Wow. So, boy, there's months of Sundays to be, um, to, to be preached and, 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 and discussed about this, but we want to get to the calling in verses 7 through 10. Actually, I think 7 through 12 is what we can um, consider. Nope, 7 through 10. So God's now going to tell Moses that God is going to save his people. God is going to tell Moses that God is going to, to save his people. How? He's going to use Moses to do it. Moses is now ready. Verse 9. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse 10, love this. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Imagine what went on in the heart of Moses when God told him to do this. <laughs> the scene is tough to, under, to... Moses is in a place where he's had to take his shoes off. He's on holy ground. He can't even look at what is speaking or who is speaking, at him, speaking to him. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So obviously what comes next is no surprise. Questions. We now have a Q&A between Moses and God. Two basic questions that Moses poses. Who am I and who are you? Sounds very existential and I think it probably is. But Moses says, all right, wait, all right, you just, that's quite a load you've just dumped on me. Who am I? And who are you? Verse 11, but Moses said to God directly, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Imposter syndrome? Sure. I am not qualified. I'm a murderer and I've been rejected by your people, God. And I love God's answer, verse 12. He said, this is what God said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I've sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain, right where they are. Who am I? Is Moses' question. And God's answer is, you're someone that I'm with. You are someone that I am with. I 
We don't see entirely what Moses did with that answer, but the very next verse, verse 13, then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, Well, what's his name? (laughs) What shall I say to them? (laughs) It's a weirdly worded question. You know how you, like, well, uh, Jen wants to know this, and you really want to know it? (laughs) I think that's what's going on here. In any case, verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Whew, again month of sermons on this. J.I. Packer says this, this name in all its forms proclaims his eternal, self-sustaining, self-determining, sovereign reality. There is so much when God says, I am, I am. The rest of us come and go. God says, I am. In John 8, 58, this is kind of the moment in John's gospel where the the leaders just about lost their minds with what was going on. When Jesus, John 8, 58, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And to the folks listening to Jesus at that time, there was zero question that he was claiming to be the almighty God. Yahweh, Jehovah, I am in the flesh. And what follows is God gives further instruction on what to say to the elders in Israel and how he's going to approach Egypt. A couple weeks ago, we talked about giving this, this idea that we're to be in constant change and constant growth and that we're to be giving as much as we know of ourself to as much as we, of we know of God. And we just saw Moses say, well, who am I? Good question. And who are you? Good question. And so I want to just spend a few minutes looking at Moses and you. We're going to look at the cure for imposter syndrome. And I want us to just see four very quick points. The first thing I want us to see is that God prepared Moses and God has prepared you. How did God prepare Moses? God prepared Moses by rescuing him from death. If you're a follower of Christ, you've been rescued from death. And then, trained him up, and then used life experiences to teach him. Including murder. Including rejection by his people. including a time of isolation. 
This is how God prepared Moses. What's been going on in your life? What has God used to prepare you? And if you look back on your life and you say, God did, cannot use that, it's not true. If he can use the murder of someone and, and use that to prepare Moses, he can use anything to prepare you. I'm, I am reminded at this moment, it's not in my notes, but Fred Osgood, Gary Osgood's dad, would tell me, get saved and get to 50 just as quick as you can. I love that quote. <laughs> it's about preparation. In any case, wherever you are, God has prepared you. He's prepared you. God, in his providence, takes what was meant for evil and uses it for good. He can do that. And if you look in your life and you see evil and you don't think God can work through it, you're wrong. The Bible over and over and over and over and over again shows us that he does and he can and he will. Not only did God prepare Moses, but God spoke to Moses. And God has spoken to you. This right here is God, lots of pages, lots of words, speaking directly to you. Man. And so we look at this experience of Moses in a burning bush that just doesn't get consumed and this amazing, um, you know, theophany, the presence of God, and wow, we have God's eternal word right here. And so you're not allowed to say he hasn't spoken. You're not allowed to say it. His word is right there. And Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart God has spoken to you. Okay? God prepared Moses. He's prepared you. God spoke to Moses. He's spoken to you. God answered Moses' questions. God will answer your questions. God was fully within his rights to say, just do it. And that is, as parents, <laughs> often what comes out of our mouths. The Bible is full of folks that ask questions and God answered. Ask questions. Never stop asking questions. James 1.5, we studied a bit ago, if any of you lacks wisdom, if you need answers to questions, if you need help, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. And so the last point I want to make here is that Moses' calling served others. That's what this is all about. Your calling serves others. And you say, well, I just do this. Stop. Stop. I, I found this quote from Packer this week as I was just looking around and I just thought, wow, what a fit. Packer says, all work is oriented to the welfare of other people, directly or indirectly. The answer to the question of how Christians can view their daily work as a calling or as a ministry 
is to be conscious of your work as service to people. And as I read that, I said, all right, well, let me think. I'm going to think. Who's going to be in church? Well, I, I can figure out. And say, well, yeah, directly or indirectly, every single person is serving others. Wow. Are you conscious of that? That our lives, our calling is to be serving others? Yeah, I have a job. I work with, but guess what? Our job is to serve others. And so you hear me quote 1 Peter 4, 8 all the time. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. And there's that verse, memorize it, fantastic. But if you keep going, verse 10 of 1 Peter 4 says, listen, as each has received a gift, as each has been prepared, that's how I read that, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And then Peter concludes that. The challenge to say your preparation and God speaking to you, use it to serve. He says, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so I want to close with the point I made earlier. When God calls us, he is using us to accomplish the amazing. And when we look at Moses, any one of us would say, wrong guy for the job. He he completely invalidated himself when he murdered and then he ran off like a scared kid. When God calls us, he uses us to accomplish the amazing. And I love, we're going to close the song today, was Waymaker. And we're going to see this as we study Exodus. God's the one working. Moses is not the point of this book. God is. God is working. God is making a way. And when God calls us, he's using us to accomplish the amazing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you just for the, the simple fact that we've said that we often really truly struggle with, that you would use us. It's your goal to save. And you use us to share that with others. And you've called us to serve others, to be your hands and your feet. And so we do, we, we humbly submit to the fact that you have said, I want to use you. Help us to be those who would seek your face, who would seek answers to the questions that we have, and that would view our life's calling as a service to others in the same way that you showed that to Moses. So we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for just the beauty that is in it that teaches us. In Jesus' name, amen.